0: Assalamu dear brothers and sisters, and welcome to episode number 26 of the A Lesson Per Page Quran program. InshaAllah, today we will be beginning with page number 107 of the Holy Quran. The completion of religion. Okay, so if you are a Shia, you know exactly what this is referring to here now. Um, On this page uh, of the Holy Qur'an, page 107, one of the most important verses in the eyes of the Shi'i school of thought has been mentioned. This is verse number 3 of Surah Al-Ma'idah. Right in the beginning of Surah Al-Ma'idah, this verse has come. But there are some details here that we need to get into because the verse seems like your everyday uh, Islamic legal ruling verse that is listing a few things that are haram in Islam to consume and other things to do that are haram. So you're thinking to yourself, okay, this is just another another verse. But then all of a sudden in the middle of the verse, something pops up that really stands out. And of course, the Shi'i school of thought has a lot to say about that. So let us recite this verse, verse number three. And then get into those details. I would be lahim in a shaitan or regime. Hurrimat Alekum will mate to a demo lah ziri wama ohilla de reiri lahi bihi well mung hanika to a lah muku the to wama akela sabu o illa ma the ketum wama dubiha alan nosubi wa anta stabisi mobile as lam. The fisk. A lioma ya is a ladina caferumin dinicum fella tachau hum wachshon. A lioma ekmel to lacum dinacum, what mam to alecum nirmati, what a li to lacum will Islam a dina. Femanitora, fi machmasatin, raira mutajanifil itmin for in a rahim. You are prohibited carrion, which is dead corpses, you can't eat the flesh of dead corpses, an animal that has died without being slaughtered. Blood, you can't consume blood, the flesh of swine, in other words, pig. And what has been offered to other than Allah, so if they were sacrificing animals to like the idols, and the animal strangled or beaten to death, and that which dies by falling or is gored to death, and that which is mangled by a beast of prey, except that which you may purify, the like meaning if an animal has attacked another animal um, and you get to that animal before that animal dies and you slaughter it properly, then that's a different story. But if a beast of prey has mangled uh, another animal, you can't have that. And what is sacrificed on stone altars to idols, and that you should divide by raffling with arrows. All that is transgression, fisk. it's wrong, you're not allowed to. Alright, so those are, that's your, as I said, your everyday kind of, you know, this is haram, stay away from this, stay away from that type of verse, right? But then all of a sudden, Today the faithless have despaired of your religion. So do not fear them, but fear me. Today I have perfected your religion for you, and I have completed my blessing upon you. And I have approved Islam as your religion. Wow. Then all of a sudden, it goes back to what the verse was talking about in the beginning. But, it, but should you, anyone be compelled by hunger without inclining to sin, then Allah is indeed All-Forgiving, All-Merciful. In other words, if you have no choice but to have and consume some of the things that were listed in the verse, in the beginning of the verse, then it's fine, it's okay. As long as you're, not, you're doing it without being inclined to sin, you know, maybe this means that you know, deep down inside, you're upset that you have no choice, but you have to have some carrion or blood or flesh of swine or whatever. Um, in that case, you're fine. Okay, so two conditions: compelled by hunger, without inclining to sin. All right. So as you can see, if we take out the underlined part of this verse, the verse, you know, it's it flows pretty nicely. You know, it's talking about some of the things that are haram. To consume and some of the things are haram uh, to do like dividing by raffling with arrows which that's a way that they would do things in the past I I think it was a form of gambling that they had Um, then all of a sudden you have a parenthesis opened up in the middle of the verse so that's what we want to talk about inshallah Um, of course uh, there will be a lot of opinions here what's it talking about when it says that Allah has completed the religion now today the faithless have despaired do not fear them today I have perfected your religion I've completed my blessing upon you I've approved Islam as your religion the question is when is this today that is the question some say well it's pretty obvious it's talking about it's talking about when these when this uh, these laws were sent down okay the laws these laws that were sent down the day that these things were prohibited. Okay, the the day when these rules were given to us, that carrion, blood, flesh of swine, etc., is haram on us. That is the day that Allah has completed the faith. Now, I'm not going to get into the answers of these in detail. There are answers that are given like, wait a minute, these are things that were made haram before too. It's not like on the last day of Islam, or in those last days of the Holy Prophet's life, in the last year of the Prophet's life these things were made haram. No, these things were haram from before that as well, we know this. And other reasons too that I'm not going to get into right now. Some have said, no, it's the day of Arafah, of the final hajj that the Prophet ﷺ performed. Some have said, no, this is, af- this is talking about the day of the conquest or the conquering of Mecca, when the Prophet conquered Mecca. Others have said it's when Surah Al-Bara'ah or Surah Al-Tawbah was revealed, and so on and so forth. One thing that the likes of Alama Tabatabai and others have pointed out is, look, there's something in the verse that doesn't allow these opinions to be right. What is in the verse? It says, "...today, today the faithless have despaired of your religion." They've lost hope. In other words, before this they had a hope, but, by, but now that this has been revealed or something has happened, all of a sudden their hope is gone, okay? And so this is where the question has to be asked when it comes to all the different opinions that have been given. Why would the enemies of Islam lose their hope, okay, if these rules are sent down? The flesh of swine is haram to consume. Why would a enemy of Islam lose hope? Or the the final the day of Arafah of the final Hajj of the Prophet. Why would the people? Why would the enemies of Islam now lose hope because the final Hajj of the Prophet has taken place or the day of Arafah? Has arrived of the final Hajj of the Prophet sallallahu What is it? No, no, no. These things they're not. They're not adding up. They're not making sense. These things that are said. These opinions. Yes. Someone might say the day of the conquest of Mecca. The Mushrikeen were finally defeated. Yeah, but uh, and eventually, uh, and they knew that eventually they're not going to win this fight against the Holy Prophet. Why? Because they've lost Mecca. But there's answers that are given to these as well. Namely. That the, the the verses that excuse me, the fet of Mecca and the conquest of Mecca took place before this verse was revealed, some will tell you. Yeah? And so on and so forth. Suratul Bara'ah, same thing. It was revealed before this verse was revealed. These are one of the final verses that were revealed of unto the Holy Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi But anyway, that is a whole discussion. Though there's a ton of viewpoints here, a ton of opinions and a ton of refutations, and there's a, there's going to be a lot of back and forth amongst scholars and mufassirun. Having said that, <coughs> um, I'm just going to share with you what, you know, you can maybe call the mainstream understanding of this verse when it, it comes to the Shia school of thought. And they will say that, you know what it was that made these people lost hope? Do you know why the verse says, Today, today the faithless have despaired of your religion, because because these enemies of Islam, whoever they are, they tried their best over the 23 years of the call of the Prophet They tried their best, how? They tried their best fighting the Prophet in the, ba- in the battles. Whether it was Badr, whether it was Uhud, whether it was Khandaq, all of these different types of battles that took place, some defensive, some offensive. They tried their best. Most of the time it was an offensive that they had against the Prophet ﷺ. And Their last hope was the battle of Ahzab or Khandaq. And even that didn't, didn't happen and didn't go through. And they lost that battle as well. So they fought as much as they could. They were not able to defeat him. They tried to tempt the Holy Prophet, buy him. Yes, buy him off somehow. And, and bribe him, so whatever it takes, give him whatever he wants. He was not interested, so they lost that one too. They tried to accuse him of different things, counter him in one way or another, maybe find, you know, say that he's a poet, he's a sorcerer, he's crazy, na'udhu billah, things like that. Crazy meaning majnoon, meaning what? He is under the influence of jinn and stuff like that. Nothing worked. <laughs> And so the last resort, the last final hope that they had was Surah At-Tur, verse 30 tells us, Am يَقُولُونَ Shair That is it that they say he's a, just a poet and we are waiting for him to die. So the final hope they had once they have come to this conclusion that look there is no beating this guy, there is no winning against him because one, he comes with logic, two, he comes with the Qur'an, and the Qur'an cannot be countered. They gave up on trying to defeat him in his lifetime. They said, you know what, let us wait for him to die. نتربص بِهِ We're just waiting for him to what? رَيْبَ الْمَنُونَ to die. Death of the Prophet equals the only solution for us, the only way we can be victorious. Now, think of it. This is their final hope, the last hope that they have, and then all of a sudden the Holy Prophet ﷺ, by the command of Allah taala, appoints his successor, the one to follow him and preserve Islam, preserve the Muslimin, preserve the Ummah after him. That shatters all of the dreams that they had, and all of the hope they had placed in the fact that he's going to die, because that was the only solution they have left. So this verse is a very, very important verse. And the Shi'i school of thought believes that it is talking about you know, what happened in Ghadir of Khum. Uh, yeah, the Ghadir, that little body of water, that little pond of water of the place that is referred to as Khum. Yes, that Ghadir of Khum is where the Prophet he brought together thousands uh, of companions and Muslimin to hear him out and to appoint Imam Ali salam as his successor. Man kunta mawla, aliun mawla. Now, of course, there's this hadith also, although it has been mentioned in both Shia, Shia and Sunni sources, there will be a difference of opinion, as you all probably know, regarding its interpretation and what they understand from it, and that is a whole different discussion we don't want to get into right now. All I wanted to point out is that this is where this The idea we find, this uh, story of uh, Ghadir, of Khum. And we will have another verse later as well um, that we'll cover in regards to that once it comes. Later on, inshallah, maybe a few sessions down. Um, There are a few points that we take from all of this. This big lesson of how Allah took the hopes of the enemies of Islam through the appointment of a successor to the Holy Prophet. Number one is look. Uh, one thing that we get, we see one detail that we notice here in this whole story is that Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala, the only way He's going to accept our Islam is through also having the wilayah of a person and following the person who is appointed by Him. And this is why we have that famous hadith in Shi'i Sunni sources: من مات ولم يعرف إمام زمانه مات ميتة Jahiliya. Um, or Mitatan jahiliyah, Which means a person who, does, who dies but doesn't know the Imam of their time, the Wali, the leader of their time, they die a death of Jahiliyyah. In other words, it's as if they're not Muslim. So Allah is accepting Islam only if a person acknowledges the Wali of their time. During the Prophet's time, وآله, the, the Holy Prophet وآله, was the Wali, in addition to being Prophet. Right? So he has different aspects to him. After him, there is no prophet, but there are awliya, there are still a'immah, uh, according to the Shi'i school of thought. Now this doesn't mean anyone who is not Shia, anyone who doesn't acknowledge Ali ibn Abi Talib as um, not the first imam after the prophet, is their Islam, it, it doesn't even count anymore. Brothers and sisters, we talked about Afin before. This lesson we had on an, another page, I don't remember the page, but just a couple sessions ago maybe, we had this, uh, this concept of istid'af. There are some who are just not convinced. 1,400 years have passed. Books have been written. Hadiths have been altered, moved around, and so on and so forth. The truth does not reach people the way it could have, and it was supposed to. And so some people won't be convinced. I can't point the finger at that person and say, Lasta mu'minan. Remember we had this also. We had a lesson here as well. That when someone Al-qa alaykum as-salam, if someone, you know, presents salam and peace to you, don't turn back and be like, "No, you're not a Muslim. You're not a Mu'min." No, 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 no. We're not allowed to do that. We also had other verses that uh, In the end, cling on to this Quran and don't separate and divide. So, if a person is convinced and knows that so and so is the first Imam, second Imam, third Imam, fourth Imam yet still turns away, this is going to apply to them. But there are some who won't be convinced. Their judgment is with Allah and Allah alone. Who am I to judge? Okay? Let's leave God's work to God, inshallah. All right, so now the question though, that million-dollar question is here. And this is also one of those verses that's taking our time a little bit, but it's fine because it's a very important verse in the Qur'an. On page 107. The question is, why is this part this part of the verse that's the important part in the middle of something that doesn't seem that doesn't seem too important <laughs> points this out he's like look we have another similar verse okay we have another similar verse in the Quran where this parenthesis is not in it okay this is pretty cool actually so let me pull up the Arabic real quick um, the Arabic uh I'm gonna pull up the Arabic of verse number three right now that we just covered, okay? And I'm going to read off of verse uh, uh, ver- uh, verses that we have in Surah Baqarah, An'am, and Nahil that have similar ver- wording to this right here, okay? Verse number three of Ma'idah. But they don't have that little parentheses of today I did this, today I did that, today I completed your religion, and so on and so forth, okay? All right, so, what is that verse that we have in Baqarah and in, in, in Surah Anam and Surah maytata <speaking in Hebrew> I want you to as I read, I want you to look and see how much overlap there is with this verse that we have on our screen. <speaking in Hebrew> so we have those three here as well. <speaking in Hebrew> <speaking in Hebrew> what else? وَمَا أُهِلَّ الْبِهِ لِغَيْرِ اللَّهِ Here it says, وَمَا أُهِلَّ لِغَيْرِ اللَّهِ بِهِ Same thing again. Alright, so four things are listed as haram. فَمَنِ الثُرَّ غَيْرَ بَاغٍ وَلَا عَادٍ فَلَا إِثْمَ عَلَيْهِ إِنَّ اللَّهَ غَفُورٌ رَّحِيمٌ What do we have here? We have a few more thing items listed. Then we have that parenthesis. And then after the parenthesis, What does it say? Very, very similar wording and verbiage. Yet, what's the difference? The parentheses here, in this verse that we're in right now. It's like someone squeezed this in. What he says here in regards to this, he says, look, it's one of three things. Either the verse was really revealed like this, and so Allah is kind of hiding this very important um, statement in the middle of something that's not too important. So no one ever is tempted to take it out or get rid of it or hide such a verse. Either that or it was just placed there by the Holy Prophet for the same purpose, maybe, or for whatever other reason, to just put put it in there so that no one touches it. Or he says that it might have been placed there by others. And there is... um, in a book um, about Allah maatabawi and in there you have questions and answers from him, um, or one of his students, uh, Muhammad Hussein um, al tahrani He he says that, or he quotes him. He quotes al on this. Anyway, in one of his books, other than Al-Mizan, I've also noticed that Allah maatabawi kind of says that he believes that this might be one of those places, one of two places actually, that maybe some people they did certain things, moved certain things around. But that is Allah and his opinion in that book. He doesn't say this in Tafsir of Al-Mizan. So, but he does say it might have been placed, um, from what I remember, um, might have been placed there by others. So three things he says. Either it was revealed like this, or the Prophet placed it there, or others placed it there. Okay. All in all, but the message is clear, what it's saying, that there is a very important thing that is taking place, and as a result of that, Allah is saying, now your religion is completed. We as Shia believe that this was the wilaya of Amir al-Mumineen alayhi salatu wasalam. And so this shows that the enemies of Islam were afraid of a complete religion that is complete with, the, with a proper leader and a proper wali. And it also shows us that wilaya is a blessing. That is a blessing because it says, now I have completed my blessing upon you. And inshallah we follow the footsteps of the Ahl al-Bayt who we believe um, were appointed and that this verse uh, is speaking of them. Um, and of course beginning with Imam Ali alayhi and speaking of the incident of Ghadir which later on will lead to the, the ensuing Imams of Ahl bayt also becoming Imams. Page number 108 of the Holy Qur'an. The timeless covenant. Alright, so the Qur'an every now and then will remind us of promises we've made, of covenants we have with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so page number 108 also is discussing that, is also pointing that out. Verse number 7 of سورة Ma'ida. وذكروا نعمة الله عليكم وميثاقه الذي واثقهم به. إذ قلتم سمعنا وأطعنا واتقوا الله إن الله عليم بذات الصدور. Remember Allah's blessing upon you and His covenant with which He has bound you. What is that covenant? When He said we when you said we hear and obey, that was the covenant. We made a promise of obedience to Allah. Um, We'll talk about that. And be wary of Allah. Indeed, Allah knows best what is in the chests. Yes, what we're hiding in our hearts. Allah is well aware of that. All right. So, number one, we have to talk about ni'matullah. It says, remember Allah's blessing upon you. Which blessing is it talking about? Well, a ton of blessings that Allah has given the Muslims of of a lot of things. When they, they were nobodies they were losers they had they were not civilized even to an extent they were burying some of them were burying their daughters alive etc., etc. islam came taught them about the akhirah, taught them about the big stuff that they can work for and work towards give made them more civilized made them educated يزكيهم, purified them the prophet purified them taught them the book back then to have a book was a privilege I've said this before. The Yahud, they uh, were proud of the fact that they are that they have a book, a divine book, and Nasara, same thing. <coughs> so now you are also blessed with this, and you enjoy the blessing of the book. So these are all different blessings. So the the commentators of the Quran, the Mufassirun, they've said either what is ni'ma here, what blessing here is referring to is. Uh, It's just an umbrella that covers all of the different blessings that Islam brought for the Muslims. Or ni'matullah, you can just say, no, it's Islam itself. And Islam itself will encompass all of these blessings. Whatever you want to say, all in all we know it is the blessing of Islam, what comes with Islam, that good and baggage that comes with Islam. Okay, but what's more important here to discuss is the mithaq. The mithaq or the covenant. Which covenant is this talking about? Uh, We don't remember this covenant that we had with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So here they've explained that it's one of two things that is meant here. And I'll tell you what I personally very humbly um, uh, believe is meant here. Um, So the first opinion is that whenever whenever the people out there become Muslim, whenever they embrace Islam, that is them implicitly accepting the fact that we are going to obey God in whatever he says in this religion. Okay, As if you remember, it said that when you said, wa We hear, oh Allah, what you have to say and the commands that you have for us, and, we, and we, we hear and we obey. That's the covenant. So when did we actually make such a covenant with God? Well, when we embrace Islam, we're implicitly indirectly saying that, oh Allah, it's all about your obedience, we're going to listen to whatever you want us to do. Okay, that's what it is. So that's one opinion on this mithaq, on this covenant. Another opinion which, this is the one that I personally like, it is that same covenant that other verses of the Qur'an speak of when they say that we took a covenant from you, O, o children of Adam, if I remember, it, re- it refers to us and addresses us as children of Adam. Um, where we said, where Allah tells us, bi rabbikum qalu bala That when Allah told us, Hey, am I not your Lord? And all of us answered in the affirmative. We all answer, answered in the affirmative and said, Yes, you are our Lord. So something like that is also being spoken of here. I, would, I personally believe, and some Mufassirin have also mentioned this. Okay? that means, it doesn't mean that we necessarily verbalized this or made a promise to God. No, just the fact that we are His creation, we know and acknowledge His existence. He has put a fitrah in us. He has created us in a certain way where we are inclined towards Him to begin with. He has given us the intellect. All of this potential that we have in us, all of this equals us saying, okay, now that we have all of this, oh Allah, we are going to obey whatever you say. That is the promise. The fact that He's given us all of the means and tools to reach His satisfaction equals us saying and Him being so clear, His existence being so clear. The Quran says, "Afillahi shakun, Afillahi shakun, samawati Is there even a doubt in Allah, the Creator of the heavens and the earth? In other words, you have to prove to me that he doesn't exist. I look around me, I see everything, everything. That, where did it come from? There must be something out there that brought everything into existence, because things don't come into existence on their own. So, it's very clear, Oh Allah, Allah, Allah has made Himself very clear to us, given us the means and the tools through our fitrah to acknowledge Him, His existence, to obey Him and everything. So, this equals us now saying, Allah, saying not verbalizing, but through whatever we have, this is a practical admittance, and admitting of us that we will obey now. We, and Allah has this expectation of us, that it means. In other words, the fact that we say, the, the fact that we have a covenant with Allah means what? It means means Allah has this expectation because He knows we have what it takes now to obey Him. So it's as if we're saying, we will obey you, O Allah. The fact that we have what it takes, Equals us saying that, O oh Allah, we will obey. Alright, that's a, actually a very good way to sum it all up. The fact that we have what it takes to obey Him equals us saying, We will obey you. Okay, it's as if we said it. And so, just to uh, corroborate this a little bit f- more and further, um, I'm just going to share with you one thing that Amir al Salam says in Nahj Balagha, khutbah number one. Where he says, from what I remember, it's khutbah number one. I'm 99.99% sure that's what it is. So what did Allah do? He sent His messengers to them. He sent His, he one after another. He sent His prophets to them, to the people. Why? You see that word, mithaq, is being used here. Just like it's used in, uh, on page 108. That same word is used as well in this khutbah number one of Nahj al-Balagha. That he sent his prophets and messengers one after another to do what? So that they push the people and demand the people to do what? To fulfill their covenant that they had. Which covenant is this? The covenant of their fitrah. You see here, Imam Ali is pointing this out explicitly. That the fitrah in us, the way Allah has created us, what He has given us of inclination to Him and acknowledgement of His existence, that itself equals the covenant. The fact that we have what it takes to acknowledge Him and obey Him equals us as if saying that we wa So if this is the case, Allah says, Yes, one can say that if we have what it takes and it's as if we are saying we listen, we obey so Allah is going to say so hey people ittaqullah, watch out don't make this mistake of going against your covenant and so we ask Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta-A'la to give us that tawfiq to live up to that covenant of Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta-A'la that we have with Him alright page number 109 of the Holy Quran <coughs> the magical way to turn your heart to stone. Like, man, what is wrong with you? Why would you want to do such a thing? But if you want to know how to turn your heart into stone, well, let's let let's see what, how the Qur'an teaches us that. Does the Qur'an want us to do that? Of course not. But it's just letting us know how some people did it, and eventually their hearts turned to stone as if. Verse number 13 of Surah Al-Ma'idah. فبما نقضهم ميثاقهم لعنناهم وجعلنا قلوبهم قاسية يحرفون الكلمة عن موابعه ونسوا حظا مما ذكروا به ولا تزال تطلع على خائنة منهم إلا قليلا منهم فعف عنهم وصفح إن الله يحب المحسنين. Then because of their breaking their covenant we cursed them and made their hearts hard. They moved the words from their right places and have forgotten a part of what they were reminded. You will not cease to learn of some of their treachery, excepting a few of them or accept a few of them. Yet, excuse them and forbear. Indeed, Allah loves the virtuous. Okay, this is a wonderful verse of the Quran. Now, this was verse number 13, right, of Surah Al-Ma'idah. So, it's not, A continuation of the previous verse that we covered that was also speaking of a mithaq. This is speaking of the mithaq of Bani Israel. Yes, because the verse before it, if this is verse number 13, verse number 12 says, It's talking about the covenant that Bani Israel had with Allah. Which is, you know the verse clearly explains what that covenant in uh encompassed الصلاة, الزكاة, بالرسلي, أقراط, so they're supposed to uphold and establish prayer give their zakat believe in the prophets of god and aid and help them um lend a good lending to allah in other words once again giving in the way of god maybe these kinds of things. These were, this was the covenant of God with them, according to this uh, verse. And so, what did they do? They broke that covenant. They did not live up to the covenant. So what happened as a result? Then, because of their breaking their covenant, we cursed them. Now, when you look into the Arabic language, you'll find that Laanah. Um, Of course we use the equivalent of curse, but in reality they will tell you that la'n and la'na equals withdrawal of one's mercy and care from someone. And so Allah withdrew His mercy from them. What happens when you withdraw the mercy of God from something? That thing, I'm going to say it like this, that thing is going to dry up and turn to stone. Take mercy of God out of the heart of an individual. what is left is just a piece of stone. And so here it says, qasiyah. their hearts were made heart, me, were made hard like stone. okay. But it says here, "Jalna, we did such a thing to them. and I think this is something that we have covered before, and I will say it again. Allah did this to them because they did everything that was necessary for this. The same way if I let something go, it falls and gravity pulls and Allah pulls that thing to the ground through gravity, well I'm the one who caused it to fall. Yes, Allah is behind the gravity and all of that, and we can say God made it fall, but in reality I was the one who triggered this. So same thing here, they did whatever it took them to gain this effect of their hearts becoming hard. And what is that which they did? Breaking that covenant that they had with Allah. This is super scary, brothers and sisters, because it's not like God has some hate for Bani Israel that He doesn't have for anyone else. No, God is not like that. So if what they did was and breaking the covenant, well, we also have a covenant with God. And so if we don't live up to it, eventually it seems, based on this verse, one can extrapolate that the hearts will harden. Well, what happens when the hearts harden? I think it's very clear. This is a very uh, obvious and clear metaphor here. When, the, when something is hard and nothing permeates it, nothing penetrates it anymore, it is only when something can penetrate your heart that you won't make big mistakes. You won't hurt people in a big way. But once the, is, the heart is hardened, nothing can go through it anymore. The love of others cannot permeate it. Caring for others will not penetrate it. And so what happens as a result? You make big mistakes. What are some of the mistakes they made? The verse goes on. He says, what is meant here is, um, of course, it says they move the words from the right places. Meaning what? Meaning they misinterpret them. They misinterpret them in their own favor, to their own interests, to serve their own interests. And so on and so forth. So that's very scary. When <laughs> Allah had sent them things, sent them signs, they forget some of that. Okay, so this is scary because once you forget Allah's signs, you forget Allah, Allah will also forget you. We have another verse in the Quran <laughs> Allah made them forget themselves. Yes? Um, or I think we have another verse that says <laughs> Allah forgot them. So these are very scary things. What are these? These are the result of qaswat al qulub, the heart's hardening. How does one's heart harden? If you suck out all of the Allah in it and all of the mercy of Allah from it. Well, how does that happen? When Allah has la'na on you and has cursed you. Well, how does that happen? When you don't live up to the mifaq of Allah. That you had with Allah, which is what? Which is one of obedience. They were supposed to uphold prayer, etc., etc., etc. They didn't do that. So both in this verse and in the previous verse that we covered, although that one was talking about the Prophet's time, this is talking about Bani Israel. All in all, we find the common theme in these is disobedience of God and not living up to the wilayah he has over us. Yes. But even after all of this, these people have wronged the Prophet Look at how the verse ends, it says, Fa'fu anhum wasfah." Still overlook what they've done, forgive them. Forget about the sins, we're not talking about the sins they're committing. They had wronged the Prophet as well. And so, um, as a result of that, Allah says, Look, that was something personal that they did t- t- to you, I want you to overlook that. Allah Because this is an example of ihsan and good and righteousness. And I want you to be one of those people. Brothers and sisters, this is the Bani Israel <laughs> that did naqdul mithaq with Allah. Allah is still saying, forgive them, overlook their wrongdoing and, st- and stuff towards you. So we need to also overlook some of the shortcomings of our brothers and sisters in Islam. If they hurt us, um, kind of try to overlook because this is an example of ihsan and god knows what kind of rewards will be waiting for us on the other side if we're able to just make sure that you know we make such a sacrifice although it's not easy and i won't blame anyone who just who can't do that when it comes to certain wrongs that have um, been committed against them okay page number 110 allah is triggered And I hate to say it like that, Uh, that's not a... When we say angered, triggered, you know, things like that, is made upset. These are words that we use, but because of lack of better terms. Or else Allah does not get triggered, we should know this. Allah doesn't get angry. Yes, the Qur'an says this, the wrath of God and all of that. But philosophically speaking, they say Allah can't be happy one day and then angry another day. So what is meant here is something metaphorical, okay? When you say God is triggered, so that's what is meant here as well. Allah is triggered. Why? It goes back to the creed of Jesus being Son of God in the Christian faith. So, as I said in our last session, we'll come, we'll have other verses that speak of um, Masihiyya, or you, the Trinity or the concept of Son of God and so on. So. Let's recite the verse uh, first and then we'll talk about that. Verse number 17 of Surah Al-Ma'idah. Laqad kafara allatheena qalu inna <speaking> Allah huwa al-Masih ibn Maryam qul faman yamliku min Allahi shay'an in arada an yuhlikal Masih ibn Maryam wa ummahu wa man fil ardi jamee'an wa lillahi mulkus samawati wal arḍ wa ma baynahuma yakhluqu ma yasha' wallahu ala kulli shay'in qadir they are certainly faithless those who say allah is the messiah all right son of mary astaghfirullah That is, it doesn't even say like rabb or lord or anything it says, allah is Masih ibn Maryam. this is a big problem And so, this is the part where it gets very scary, brothers and sisters. Because look at how Allah sounds triggered. It says, Who can do anything against Allah should he wish to destroy the Messiah, son of Mary, and his mother? And everyone upon earth, like this really sends chills down one's spine. Like, no chill here. Nope. Like, you can't even tell, like, oh Allah, like Prophet Isa, Lady Maryam, they're your most beloved creatures, they're the most closest uh, uh, servants of yours to you. But it sounds like, it seems like Allah is trying to make it sound like he's very triggered here. He says, who's going to stop me? Yeah, who can do anything against Allah should he wish to destroy the Messiah himself, destroy Isa? Oh my God, like your best friend in that time. But he's saying, "You want me to destroy the Messiah? You want me to destroy His mother? You want to destroy everyone on earth?" Which shows, brothers and sisters, this is very important. Which shows the magnitude of this statement that they made—that that Allah is Messiah ibn Maryam is this? Yes, that Allah is the Messiah. Allah is the the Lord is the Messiah. Allah says, "You want me to destroy Him for you?" Subhanallah. To Allah belongs the kingdom of the heavens and the earth, and whatever is between them, He creates whatever He wishes, and Allah has power over all things." So the fact that they were saying that God is the Messiah, that was the big issue. If I said, Son of God, that's not, I made a mistake. No, no, the fact in this verse, that they said that um, God is Messiah, He is God Himself. So brothers and sisters, just because those who might adhere to the nasraniyah faith are nice people and all of that, Okay, or they always talk about love and love of God. We have to be very careful. Why? Because the people are one thing, but the actual belief, the actual faith, the actual tenet that of God being Masih, or Masih being Son of God, or Trinity, all of these, these are things that are very, very significant and very, very condemned and scolded and looked down upon by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, or frowned upon by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Where do we get that from? This verse. It really sounds like Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was triggered. And He's like, you know, do you want me to just indiscriminately destroy everything and everybody? As if. And if you want me to uh, share another verse with you, or a set of verses that show how heavy a statement this is to say that the Messiah or the Messiah is Son of God or God Himself. Let me share with you ayat verses number 88 to 91 of Surah Maryam. Where here it's like even, it's, it's, it's very heavy, man. It's crazy how it's worded, crazy in the sense of mind-blowing and scary. It says, Wakala rahman Lakat jitum shay an idda Takadu samawatu yet of a tarna minho and what an al jibal. Yes, what jibalu. excuse me, tan shakul ardu. What a jibalu hadda. And dao Rahmani walada. So three things are going to are about to happen because why? Because they said that the Lord had a son, and he is Isa ibn Maryam. They say the Rahman, the All-Beneficent, has taken a son, has begotten a son. You have indeed said something horrendous and hideous. The, how bad is it? How bad is it? The heavens are about to be torn apart because of this, what you're saying. Like mind blown, people. And the earth to be split open because of what they're saying. That It's like this close that this is going to happen. Like, it's like everything is trembling because of what has been said, that God had a son. So yeah, it's all about the faith nowadays the, you know it's all about love and forgiveness and all that's okay, that's cool. I, I personally believe that Islam has that much of these things as well, although it's not mentioned as much, but, but okay, like okay, nice stuff, okay good, but like what the, 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 the actual belief, whoo, it's a scary one, brothers and sisters. And the earth is going to be split open and the mountains to collapse to bits. Why and rahmani walada? Because they made the claim that Allah has a son. So brothers and sisters, these are things that are that Islam will not compromise on. Alright? Yes, we will speak of ila Kalimatin Sawain baynana wa baynakum. That in the in the in the in the story of Mubahala, we talked about this before in one of our lessons that we can find common ground even with the people of the book, okay? Find some common ground, which is tawheed, oneness of God, and all of that. True, we have this. True, we have to coexist in all of that. But at the same time, it does not mean that we compromise on beliefs. No, we will have our discussions, we will have our, our peaceful debates and, 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 and fruitful, um, purposeful, discussions and dialogue. We'll try to have as much of that as possible, but yes, that does not mean that we are going to move back uh, an inch when it comes to not believing in such things. These are condemned in Islam. These are very, very big claims that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala seems to be very upset about. The fact that Masih ibn Maryam is God, or that he is Son of God, these are things that there is no compromise on at all. When we seek refuge to ever be inclined, to uh, such beliefs. Well, Rabbil alameen Allahumma naur qulubana bil-Quran, zayin akhlaqana bil-Quran, wa najjina min nar bil-Quran, wa adkhilna al jannata bil-Quran. Allahumma j'alal-Quran lana fil-dunya qarina, wa fil qabri munisan wa ala al nura, wa fil-jannah rafiqan wa min al-nar sitran wa hijaba, wa ila al-khairati kulliha dalila. برحمتك يا أرحم الراحمين والسلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته.